0: Deep in the bowels of Oklahoma exists a passageway that has remained locked for decades untouched by mortals. We don't know why it was sealed nearly a century ago, but we are thirsting to find out. So thirsty. Do you have the same insatiable curiosity as us to see what lies beyond his threshold?
1: On September twenty-fourth, 2023 we will unveil the shadows together via live stream as we open the sealed passageway slaking our thirst for arcane knowledge and we want you to be there with us virtually of course this may be dangerous we don't have liability insurance oh my eye
0: but what will we find is this passageway a sealed tomb a hideaway for treasure a portal into another dimension
1: Even we won't know until September 24th, and you can be there to discover the secrets with us. I'm not scared. Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement to RSVP for this event and find out how you can participate in this interactive adventure with us.
0: As long as there's darkness to explore,
1: we shall remain its loyal devotees. RSVP now and immerse yourself in the abyss of the unknown that is Diana's Diana's Basement.
0: (laughs) Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement. Can the bonds we have with our loved ones go beyond this plane and into the next? Can we feel those connections so strongly that we know when someone we care about is in trouble or is dying? And how do those connections persist throughout generations? Today we speak with Kelly, an author and podcaster who has a myriad of experiences about these connections and their effects on the living. Our stories are both spooky and uplifting, and we know you're going to enjoy them today on Homespun Haints. Hello, Hainted Loves. Welcome to Homespun Haints. I'm Becky. I'm Diana. Oh, come on, Diana. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel today. (laughs) Well, you know what? After you listen to this episode today, you're going to perk right up because we are talking to Kelly, who is an author. She has several books under her belt, and she also has a podcast called Let's Deconstruct a Story.
1: I like story
0: podcasts. She talks about short stories, and then she interviews the author of that short story. Hmm. It's a really, really cool thing to listen to if you're literary nerds like us or if you just like stories like we do. That's very true. We're going to let her talk a little bit more about that when she comes on but before we do, I need to think of something funny to perk Diana up. Perk me up, Becky. Perk me up like a cold nipple. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you could see her right now. She looks like a rose like a week after Mother's Day where it's like... Oh, I am wilted. <laughs> She's wilted. It's true. It looks like we might actually make our goal yes! for our 100 patrons by September 1st because we just got a new
1: one! Woo! Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Literally? Like just now? Like this moment? Like just now. <laughs> Ooh. Rachel just joined our Patreon. Well, Rachel, welcome to the fold in real time.
0: Thank you so much. This is you like perfect timing. You won't hear this till later,
1: but we're appreciating you immediately.
0: <laughs> we certainly are. Yes, and our goal is to get to 100 patrons by September 1st so I can come to Tulsa and open up the sinister secret passageway in Diana's basement to see what lies beneath. You know, it's probably going to be full of worms because Worms. Well, let me tell you something. Okay, so I have this luck thing or bad luck thing i don't know you know how people have angel numbers they always see the same number yes or they have signs from their spirit guides they see Mm -hmm. cardinals Mm -hmm. or dubs or something like that well for me thank god it's not happening anymore or at least i thought it had stopped
1: it's worms (laughs) i remember this story about
0: worms (laughs) yeah we have talked about this before Mm -hmm. yes
1: becky's spirit animal
0: grossest thing. If I'm sitting outside eating al fresco, a worm will fall on my
1: head. A worm will fall on your head. What is it doing above you?
0: In a tree? I don't know. You're eating outside. Like a bagworm?
1: Like I, a silkworm?
0: I, I, I don't know. I just know it's a worm. <laughs> it used to be that every time I ordered food in a restaurant, there would be a worm on it. And I don't care how fancy the restaurant this happened in like the Hilton ones I ordered waffles and there were worms on my waffles. I'll get fish I'll cut open the fish it'll be full of worms. The most recent time this happened though was in 2014. So it's been a while. I was at a Seder and they were passing around the parsley for us to dip in the salt water. And I was just, it's like I knew it before it even happened. I was like, my parsley is going to have a grub on it. And sure enough, I pull it out and there's a worm on <laughs> <laughs> my parsley. And then every house we had would just be infested. And finally, I don't know what I did. Maybe it's because I got more spiritual, more in touch with my little worm side or something. Maybe it's because I started spending more time gardening and I'm really bad at it. And the worms were like, oh, we got to get the fuck away from this one. (laughs) So I don't know what I managed to do, but somehow I broke the worm curse. You slithered away from it.
1: (laughs) That's my slither sound. You wriggled out of that curse.
0: Well, last week I kept seeing worms all over my house no inside these little black strings inside all over the place and of course i'm like oh no i thought we were done with this universe what do you want from me do i need to kill another plant how can you I'm not a worm person. It's just... Oh, yeah. I even forgot. Like, remember when we were talking about hallucinations on that Patreon episode? And that was a hallucination I had it was a giant worm. Your giant worm. Yeah, like a mm-hmm. sandworm, but in my school. So what <laughs> is it about me and worms? I don't even like them. Um, they're like, I don't like things without spines. You pick it up and it becomes two, two brains, two anuses. I don't... I can... They have a lot of hearts, don't they? Some worms.
1: Oh, yes yeah,
0: probably... And I'm sure some have a lot of teeth. Ew! I saw all of these things all over the floor. And I was like, dang it. And every time I turned around, I would see another one. And I was like, dang it. And finally, because, you know, my typical policy for things like this is just to ignore it. You know, a normal person would pick it up, but I was like,
1: eventually, cats eat it, right? Right,
0: but you know, you don't want them eating because sometimes those worms have parasites and stuff. You don't know, want your cat's getting sick. That's true. So after about a week of this, I finally was like, all right, I'm just gonna pick all of these up. Turns out, they weren't worms at all. Uh oh. <laughs> so I had this crazy idea that I I'd been saving up all of my old jeans because they you know they get holes in them and stuff and i was like i'm just going to cut them up and make a giant denim skirt out of them a giant denim skirt like a pentecostal giant denim skirt <laughs> like a maxi skirt so it's going to take several oh, yeah. especially some of these like old skinny jeans you just take a bunch of different legs pant legs and sew them together and make like a nice A-line
1: maxi skirt. Ooh, you could cut them out so that the hem at the bottom of the skirt is all the waistbands and belt loops and pockets. So all the pockets are upside down, like around the edge of the skirt and the zippers. So I was doing that. I was cutting out all of these pieces of denim
0: and I am not a very organized person. So I was doing this wherever I was in the house where I felt like doing it in the bedroom, in the living It was these, well, most of the things I saw, they were actually just dark threads that had fallen out mm-hmm. while I was cutting the denim.
1: Good thing the cats didn't eat that though. No. And then
0: there were three that weren't. Uh-oh. Three that weren't. What were the outliers? Well, one was a piece of wire. (laughs) Eek. Not good for cat eating either. No, no, I'm glad I got that one up. One was a roach leg. (laughs) Just the leg. (laughs) Of course it was. Just the leg. Yeah. (laughs) The cat already got the rest of that one. Yeah, yeah. And the last one was a bit of a cat turd that had fallen up and gotten wrapped in hair. (laughs) You know, when the cat's constipated, if you have a long-haired cat, you know what this is like, you know.
1: It was turd-encrusted cat hair that had dried to a fossil, basically, <laughs> yes. hiding amongst the denim worms, innocently, just long enough that you started to pick it up with your bare hands, right? Like, oh, it's just denim. No,
0: no, because I thought all of these were worms to begin with, so I was going around with a sani-wipe, picking them up, thankfully. Oh, okay, okay. Thankfully, yeah. So I came to two conclusions. After oh. this experience, A, I need better glasses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And B, I can't really sew because you should have seen this monstrosity that I tried to make. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Singer and Zenny. <laughs> Uh, For sponsoring this episode. It's just kidding. No, you can though, if you want to. Here's our website, homespunhaints.com. Actually, I have a brother. (gasps) I have a singer. Either one. Whoever wants to sponsor can reach out.
0: Anyway, so a bunch of cut up jeans legs that were still kind of pinned (laughs) together haphazardly went in the trash can, as did a bunch of quote unquote worms. And I got on Amazon and ordered myself
1: a maxi denim skirt for 20 bucks.
0: (laughs) i tried really hard
1: tried. <laughs> just watch you're gonna open that package up and guess what worms
0: <laughs> no i'm wearing
1: oh okay
0: yeah, it's kind of cute
1: oh that's cute it's not excessively pentecostal
0: no it's not it's not well it does kind of drag the ground and i have to pull it up to my armpits to because i'm really sure <laughs> check this out it's oh like literally up to my bra <laughs> Thankfully, none of you can see this, but I literally have like my skirt (laughs) all the way up to my ribs, and it still drags the (laughs) curler. And if I trusted myself enough, I would actually cut it and
1: hem it but i'm afraid i'd end up with another worm infestation if i did that so we're just gonna suffer (laughs) yeah well it's a nice skirt becky i like your nice skirt
0: thank you thank you yeah it was a whole lot easier than making it myself i don't know what the hell i was thinking
1: most things are
0: i have literally been saving beat up jeans for months for this project and all it took was about three hours and the fear of a worm infestation before i was like (laughs) nope never mind (laughs) we are not that
1: crafty i guess someday i might make you a skirt out of old jeans are you tired of websites that have been
0: frankenstein together
1: oh my website is so slow and creaky every time i use the search bar it just returns abby normal over and over again becky's sister company the concept spot holds the secret to life itself and can create new life from nothing in fact we've been giving life to highly functional websites for the last 25 years using premium parts we swear we didn't salvage from graveyards
0: oh check out that head image. Instead of going my new website
1: purrs. Need a blog? The concept spot can do that. Want an online store? We can do that too.
0: We build our sites from the cellular level. No reused templates or discarded body parts here, so we can make your site do whatever you want and look however you want. (gasps) It's gorgeous! I can't even see the stitches. We can also resurrect your dead website if rigor mortis has set in. Oh, it's like a new man. If you think homespun haints is frighteningly genius, you should see our websites. Let your favorite ghoulish gals, Becky and Diana, build you a monstrous website that will wreak havoc on the internet for years to come.
1: Visit theconceptspot.com for more information.
0: It's live! It's live! Oh, that would be delightful. So, well... Painted laws, I think we learned a few things today about did we sewing and worms worms <laughs> do you have an animal that you don't want that constantly follows you around? do I <laughs> do worms even count as an animal? What is your angel sign? Is it something you'd rather
1: not have around? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I don't really have a spirit animal besides just the humble house cat. I'm just kidding cats aren't humble at all, but <laughs> I think that would everybody's cat likes me.
0: But do you find cats in places you shouldn't find cats, like
1: your meal? Some, sometimes I find parts of cats and things that aren't supposed to be there.
0: Okay, all right, we're gonna move on from that. I don't want to hear just the rest the hair. of the, oh, just oh, the hair. Oh, oh, okay. Gosh, <laughs> <I don't see. laughs> yeah, we all have found cat hair in the nooks and crannies of our own bodies. It's true.
1: Yeah, I just got done cat sitting.
0: Well, tainted loves. If you have an unwanted angel animal or sign or something let us know because we're curious i I always called it my worm curse i'd like to know if i'm the only one cursed by worms
1: cursed with worms
0: just don't like them otherwise my worm curse has been gone i'm making an appointment to see the ophthalmologist and we are getting close to our goal so i may be coming out to tulsa i may have new glasses when i come out there we'll see we'll see how
1: fast let's hope so if you drive i'm
0: flying are you kidding We want to give another thanks to Rachel for becoming our patron. We are very close. Hopefully we can make it out to Tulsa next month. And if you are not a member of our Patreon. (gasps)
1: What are you doing with your life? (laughs) Watching commercials? Boom.
0: today we are thrilled to bring on Kelly Forden she is the host of the podcast Let's Deconstruct a Story she also writes herself she has two books out collections of short stories and as you can imagine since she's on the show She is a very haunted lady. She has ghost stories to share with us. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for having
2: me. It's so fun to be here. So tell us
0: a little bit about Let's Deconstruct a Story.
2: Let's Deconstruct a Story is a podcast for the story nerds, is what I call it. It started as an idea. A friend of mine, Wendy Rawlings, maybe like 20 years ago, she just happened to mention that she was deconstructing a story. And I thought it was such a cool term. And I decided that the best way to learn about short stories is to talk to the people who write them. So every month we pick a short story, do a deep dive into the short story, and then I talk to the writer on the podcast about the story, Ooh. the process and how long it took, point of view and all that stuff. It's really fun.
1: Do people remember writing stories? I don't know. Whenever I write fiction, it just comes out and then it's gone. I cannot yeah. remember what I did. I read it years later, and I'm like, I wrote that.
2: Huh? <laughs> well, it is kind of weird. Yeah, I have to warn people what story we're reading of theirs, and then I think they have to reread it. <laughs> so I I like, so. What was that? Yeah. yeah. Every time someone comes on, I think they remember like one key element that really Like Jason Ockert is a writer who's going to be on September 1st and I just interviewed him on Sunday and the one thing that I thought was really cool that he remembered is all of his characters have very strange names. And this story was surreal. And he said, I had to have strange names because you can't have like Bob and Fred (laughs) entering another dimension. (laughs) I know a lot of people are familiar with the
0: structure of a short story because we learned it in our high school English classes, starting with the introduction and now they call it something else, but I always called it the narrative hook and rising up to the climax and all of that. Do most short stories still follow that pattern?
2: I don't think they do. A lot of people are trying different plot points, I think, too, yeah. because we get tired of the same thing all the time. And so they'll enter a short story closer to the action or in Medias Rex. I think of a short story as sort of a, a point in time or a pivotal moment in a person's life, a significant thing that happens to someone, so car accident or whatever, and mm-hmm. the fallout from that. Actually, I've not found in the three years that I've been doing this that anyone is following that frytags pyramid. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what you were talking about. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, or Freytag or however you say hmm. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> nobody actually talks about that. They talk more about point of view as a big one because do you want to tell the story – From the first person point of view, from the person's point of view, or you want to tell it from an omniscient narrator or third person, that seems to be a bigger discussion topic for a lot of people. And as you know, from like telling ghost stories, it matters whether you trust the narrator or not. Yes. Yeah. So that's a big (laughs) part of it. Do we have an
0: unreliable narrator? Another thing that I notice that are different about ghost stories or horror stories versus I guess that traditional pyramid is a lot of times ghost stories never have any sort of resolution. Right. It just it ends at that climax. If you are going to follow that sort of pyramid, it's like, and then and it's like, well, what
2: Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you can't solve it. You can't solve yeah. it. A yeah. lot of short stories end that way, too. I think that now we're much happier if the person, the main character has like just a moment of either realization or redemption or they fall apart, (laughs) then you can (laughs) go sort of leave them like that. Yes, (laughs) A slice of life. (laughs) What are the names of the collections of stories that you have out? The first one is Garden for the Blind. And that came out in 2015. And that's actually more of a novel in stories. But Wayne State University Press doesn't do novels. so, So they call it a link collection, I think. And then the second one is an actual short story collection called I Have the Answer. And it was sort of facetious, the name. And then it came out in April of 2020. So like, can you imagine in the beginning of the pandemic, this book comes out called I Have the Answer. Oops. <laughs> it's like, It just wasn't that funny.
0: <laughs> Did it help sales? Uh, no, not particularly.
2: <laughs> I think people were like, what is your problem? Shut up. <laughs> yeah. That was a tough time to launch a book, for sure. Yeah. All of these books are available. Are they available at bookstores? Wayne State University Press has a website. They're also available on Amazon. It's a small university press. So independent bookstores, definitely in Michigan, for sure.
0: (laughs) And if you go to a bookstore, I'm sure you can request this title. Oh, for uh, sure. Just a little nudge out there for everybody who's listening. Thank you very much. So you have your own personal
2: nonfiction experience <laughs> yeah. that you would like to tell us about yeah so my father was 43 when he had me he married late and so even though i was born in 67 he was 43 and so When he died, I was only 34 years old, and I was an only child, and we were really, really close. I come from an Irish background, so he had been telling me Irish ghost stories my whole life, but I didn't expect to live one. He died in April of 2002, and I was pregnant with my fourth child. I immediately had a terrible back problem, I couldn't move, I was just like devastated. And I was just wandering around in a complete fog, you know how you are when you've lost someone so close. I went to his house, which was on Lake Erie, about six weeks later, and I was sitting out on the deck, and I was just thinking like, gosh, Dad, I wonder what happened to you, I wonder where you are and this voice in my head and I would say it's just was sort of like the voice we always have in our head like get the mail but was like this voice that said we're all up here we're all having a great time everybody's here together and then a long string of names came out my grandmother's name my aunt's name some other names his good friends I was thinking the whole time well I'm just answering myself I'm just making this up. I was Catholic at the time. I'm not Catholic anymore, but, you know, the Catholic thing, like, we're in heaven. At the end of the long list of names was this name. It was Creighton. Creighton was my dad's best friend. Well, Creighton was alive. Creighton had spoken at my dad's funeral. So the minute that Creighton's name came up, I was like, oh, God, I'm totally making this up. I'm going insane. (laughs) Grief has driven me mad. But then this voice got more insistent and was like, no, Creighton's here, Creighton's here, Creighton's here. It was like getting louder. And so I did freak out then. Then I was like, this isn't me. I ran up to the house, turned on the TV, just sat there trying to calm down a little bit. The phone rang and I picked up the phone and this woman said, is Peggy there? And Peggy's my mom. She was upstairs taking a shower so I said, yeah she's here but she's in the shower can I take a message and she said well I just wanted to tell you this is Creighton's secretary and we just wanted to let you know that he has passed away and I was like what he was a bachelor he had passed away in his apartment he'd been dead I guess a couple days sadly before they found him so I was like, oh my God. But the feeling that I had was like, oh my God, it's true. Like he's somewhere out there. <laughs> so I went running upstairs to my mom's. I burst into the room and I was like, mom, guess what? Creighton's dead. <laughs> I was like, so excited. And that's terrible. I mean, he was an older man <laughs> and I did not want him to die or whatever. But I was so excited that I, it was unbelievable. And she goes, what the heck are you talking about? And I said, well, I knew. I knew he was dead. (laughs) So it was just really cool. And what was cool about it for me was even though I'm no longer religious, I'm no longer Catholic, I'm whatever, I still believe he was somewhere. And, like, I got this message, and it's my own little belief, and it has stayed with me all these years. It's been, like, 20 years. And I just think it was a way to soothe me So that I wouldn't have a complete breakdown because there I was pregnant with my my fourth kid. And I just felt it was so comforting.
0: Have you had
2: other messages from beyond, I guess, for lack of a better word? So that was about six weeks after he died. Leading up to that, the card locks on my Dodge Durango, I had a Dodge Durango at the time, would go up and down by themselves after he died for weeks afterwards, they would just go out of the blue. And after that message, it never happened again. Oh, Aww. And then I read a cool thing. Now I'm not Buddhist either, but I read that the Buddhists believe that people hang around for six weeks. I think there's an actual day. It's like 40 days or 42 days. I should have looked it up before I came on. But I then went back and checked, what day would this have been that I talked to my dad? And it was... Before the cutoff date. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. Maybe they get to hang around for a little bit, tell you they're all right, and then take off to wherever.
1: What a pleasant thing to believe.
2: I want to believe that. It's just nice, right? right. <laughs> we all get six yeah. weeks to yeah. haunt
1: like a goodbye
2: tour. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly. Oh. I'm just going to take it with me. That's yeah, awesome. Right. That. With the door
0: locks. Yeah. So these are automatic. They weren't manual. Right. They were automatic. Yeah. Oh, okay. We hear a lot of stories about ghosts interfering with electronics. There's a belief that they're able to sort of draw energy, which is why lights sometimes flicker or the heating and cooling system might be messed with or your phone battery might get drained if there's ghosts around. So,
2: yeah, there's a lot of lore surrounding that. Yes, it It is is really comforting. I mean, I obviously none of us knows we can't finish the story, but (laughs) it's a comforting thought that someone could reach out and tell you they were okay. Right. Six weeks of haunting. That's all I need.
0: I love it. That actually is quite comforting, because I know a lot of people, when they get messages from loved ones after death, they're always like, oh, no, does that mean they're stuck? So we're going to to
2: remember this. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I guess because I never heard from him again. He went somewhere else, hopefully. (laughs) And since he said he was having a good time, I hope that kept up afterwards. But he did tell me a ghost story too. So I told you he was Irish. My dad was born in nineteen twenty four and he was in World War Two. And when he was growing up he lost four of his six siblings. They were really devout Irish Catholics because basically I think they needed to hold on to that. When he was in high school, his younger sister had already died of rheumatic fever and he went off to Culver Military Academy. He was very close with his older sister. Her name was Loretta. So he's at Culver one day, and it was in April. He's just asleep in his bed and all of a sudden he wakes up with this horrific pain in his side. He fell out of bed, and he was screaming in pain. It was horrible. So they came in. They took him to the infirmary. They got a white blood cell count, and they said, this guy is having appendicitis. We're going to have to operate in the morning. Let's call the doctor. He's in the infirmary in this awful pain, and he looks out the window, and he sees his Uncle Ed walking toward him. And he's like, well, what is my Uncle Ed, who lives in Ohio, doing in Indiana early in the morning? Like, how does he know this is happening to me? So Uncle Ed comes in, and he says, I'm really sorry to inform you that your sister Loretta was killed in a car accident last night at 2 a.m. And that was the exact time that the pain started up. And not only that, after he got that message, his white blood cell count, everything returned to normal. and he was totally fine oh wow is that the weirdest story <laughs> it was corroborated by all these people that were there it really happened and he was totally fine he didn't have any appendicitis and actually i was maybe 10 when he actually had an appendicitis and it came out so that was 40 years later maybe we have connections to other people and we know when something's happening to them
0: was he close to loretta
2: yeah that was his closest sibling
0: We have definitely heard stories like that as well. Mm -hmm. Just feeling a pain or something of that nature, or just a feeling, a strong feeling when somebody passes away. So it felt like appendicitis. She was in a car accident. Did
2: she get hit in the pelvis or something? Oh, that's an interesting idea. The newspaper article said that the car was completely demolished, that she was thrown through the windshield And the death certificate said broken legs and broken arms. And so, I mean, I think it was a total disaster. And back in the day, they didn't know about drunk driving or they didn't pay as much attention. Her date was drunk. And he lived. I can't imagine what it was like to be him. That's true. Hopefully he sobered up and learned a lesson. I don't know
0: why it was appendicitis that he would feel. Maybe if he was going to have a burst appendix later on in life, it was just an easy point to put sensation through or something. Oh,
2: maybe. Because
0: like a lot of people go their whole lives without ever having appendicitis. Right. Uh,
2: Right. Yeah.
0: They probably didn't have the ability to do any sort of ultrasounds or x-rays or anything on his abdomen to determine that it was appendicitis for sure. No,
2: all they did was they did a blood test, apparently, and his white blood cell count was very high. They knew that. And then they tested it again, and it had gone back to normal. So they just sort of inferred that it was appendicitis. Yeah, from where the pain was coming from. Diana, you have a
0: lot of biological knowledge. If the body thinks that it's sick, even if it's
1: not, could it start producing a bunch of white blood cells? Well, I mean, that's how the immune system works, right? It's just a feeling that your immune system gets, <laughs> starts reacting to whatever. <laughs> and I mean, that's why allergies exist, right? Because the immune system gets confused and says, ah, pollen must kill. So why not? <laughs> it could possibly be, ah, haunting must kill. You, I don't know. You can have an autoimmune reaction <laughs> to death. I, I have no reason <laughs> to believe you shouldn't.
2: <laughs> it's interesting to think about, like, if you believe something... Can you also create an outcome? The example I would think of, my great-grandmother, she believed that, another Irish Catholic belief, that if you died on Saturday, you would go straight to heaven. Her name was Delia, and it was like 1957. She was 90, and she lived at the top of these very steep staircase in my grandparents' house. And she fell down. She snagged her rosary on the banister, and she fell down the stairs. They took her to the hospital. My grandparents were in Florida, and my dad was there. And she said to my dad, what day is it? And he said, it's Tuesday. Apparently, she was awake in bed in the hospital. And she said, well, tell Mary and Frank, that was my grandparents, not to hurry back from Florida because I won't die till Saturday. (laughs) Uh (laughs)
1: because I have to get straight into
2: heaven. I've been praying for like 90 years. And then she died on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. But I think like for me, who's no longer Catholic now, I'm like, okay, she believed that so strongly. She was like, I'm getting in. (laughs) Life has been really hard. Yeah, she manifested that plan. That's great. (laughs) What other Irish superstitions were passed down to you that you heard about through your family? because they lost so many people, they had all of these stories. And I think that's why I'm so invested in story. I feel like a story can lift you out of terrible situations or allow you to make sense of things that don't make sense. So they always had a story to accompany any sort of tragedy, you know, like the lesson learned from the tragedy. So it wasn't always a ghost story, but there's always a lesson. (laughs) My great-grandfather came over from Ireland, and he went to Cleveland. He was living in Cleveland, married my great-grandmother, the one who fell down the stairs years later. And he got on a streetcar he was going to the bar (laughs) after his lodge (laughs) meeting he was a a mill worker and they had had a big lodge meeting and so they headed over to the bar across the flats and he was on the central viaduct streetcar it was a foggy night in november of 1895 and they had these instead of now a drawbridge lifting up this drawbridge that he was on went to the side so They were starting to cross the bridge. It was super foggy. They couldn't see where they were going. And the conductor got off to give the signal to cross and apparently got the okay, But the drawbridge was open. No one could see. So they all went over. There were 17 people on board. It was the largest transportation accident of the time. I don't know if it was in Cleveland or Ohio, but it was big. It was like a huge story at the time. He was on there, and my cousin, Patrick Looney. So here's the lesson. (laughs) So the lesson was, he falls, they all got insurance claims. So it depended on how many people you left behind. So he left behind my great-grandmother and two children. So the streetcar company gave her $10,000 in 1895, which she put in the bank, she went back to working as an upstairs maid. And when my grandmother got married in 1919, she gave her husband the $10,000 to start the car dealership. And that propelled the whole family out of poverty. Oh, wow. So the lesson there was like, it may seem like a tragedy, but we would still be working in the laundry or I'd still be a maid if this hadn't happened. Nobody would have gone to college, et cetera. Et cetera. And the weird thing about that, too, was they were the two Irish passengers, my great-grandfather and his cousin. I find all of the stuff about everybody else who died. Everybody went to their funerals, and there was a big to-do, but no word about... Because back in the day, the Irish were kind of looked down on. And so what happened to his cousin, I thought he just died or was an invalid or whatever. He lived, <laughs> he lived, he went back to Ireland with his six grand because he didn't have any kids at the time, bought like tons of acreage. And I just talked to, he had 13 kids. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just got back in contact with his grandchildren. There were 10 of them in this one family. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. So that's how the Irish look at everything, or at least in my family. It's like, okay, how can we spin this (laughs) so we can all survive it? This cousin of your great grandfathers
0: plunged into these freezing cold waters yes in lake erie and lived
2: the one survivor they're all weeping hysterical everybody goes over to the morgue and the news for everyone was terrible but apparently this guy patrick his family showed up and there's wailing and his mother's wailing and whatever and she hears this voice and he's like ma i'm over here (laughs) <laughs> and he was just like sitting in a corner he's like I'm alive <laughs>
0: oh, wow. that is amazing yeah. I love it and he was fine he didn't
2: lose anything to frostbite he wasn't even an invalid which I had been led to believe <laughs> he bought a huge farm and had a great life and tons of kids wow yeah Wow. so I have a question for you guys so in all the stories that you've heard this is sort of a research question for something I'm working on Did you ever get any information from anyone about, are ghosts always in recognizable form, or do they get to come back in different forms?
0: A lot of times they can choose their forms. They can. From what we've heard. Yeah. One story that stands out in my mind was a woman who moved into a house that was haunted by the former owner, who was upset she moved in with her sister who was in this really bad relationship and the fiance was there as well and they were just constantly fighting and the woman appeared as this horrible monster and would like
2: creep in and like <laughs> bend over them. like Arr! Just to get them out just to get them. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And then she warned the new owners about the haunting when they sold the house, and they were like, Oh, it's okay. And then she called him a few weeks later. And she's like, How's everything going? She's like, Oh, the old lady ghost is delightful. She reads stories to the kids. We love her. I don't know what you're talking about with the monster.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is so great. Oh, my God. She was just like, get out of my house. You are ruining. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is so wild. I love that story.
0: Does that answer your question?
2: Yeah, kind of. I was just wondering, like, could you be talking to them and you wouldn't recognize them? Or yeah, Yeah. I feel like that's a common theme. Yeah, because
1: another person who is a medium told us that there's no such thing as child ghosts, that if you see a child ghost, it is something else. Presenting as a child, because that's how it feels most comfortable, or presenting as a child to fool you into thinking they are a child and more innocent than they are. Oh, interesting. Because children go children go to heaven immediately and don't stick around. They don't get their six weeks, I guess, but they need, they need to earn that PTO. They don't want it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, again, these are all theories, and they vary from person to person. Right. right. But it's but, kind of
1: fun
2: to hear what people think. Yeah.
1: One question I had was from the first story you told us where you were listening and heard the voice telling you that Creighton was dead or on the other side. Mm-hmm. Do you think your dad having a similar experience, do you think it's something special about your lineage, that you pass down some kind of a gift? Or do you think this is just something that happens when people are very, very close to each other?
2: I don't know. I think in both instances, it was because the loss would have been so devastating that the person might not have been able to go on. For instance, having already lost his little sister to rheumatic fever, to lose another one, without some sort of sign that she was still there and still connected to him. I think that would have been too much. I did have, this is kind of weird, but my parents were very busy growing up and I had a babysitter who I was extremely close to who actually lived with us. And she lived with us until I was 13 and I was talking to her on the phone in college and I just was like, she's dying. So then I called my parents and I said, Olga's dying. I think she's, you got to call over there. I don't know, she's dying. And my parents were like, I think her family would take her to the hospital if she was dying or whatever. And she did. She went to the hospital two days later and she died. But I don't think I have a gift or anything. I just think that there are very few people in your lifetime who you're really connected with on a soul level. And she really raised me. And we were alone together most of my first 13 years. So I felt like that was a soul connection. I don't think I have a gift.
0: (laughs) Well, Kelly... Thank you so much for joining us today and telling your stories and helping us dip our toes into some Irish folklore. And your very fascinating and, I would say, uplifting stories. Oh, thank you. I thought those were very warm, fuzzy-feeling types of stories, which is a little different from what we usually have on the show, but we love it. It gives people an interesting way to approach what happens beyond. So thank you. Thank you so
2: much for having me. This was so much fun. Tell us one more time where people can find your podcast. It's www.kellyfordon.com. Then you can click Uh to Let's Deconstruct a Story or you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts.
0: Wonderful. So if you're listening to this episode, you can just go in your app and go subscribe to Let's Deconstruct a Story. And if you're not
1: listening to the episode, what are you even doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Pay attention. We've got stuff to say.
0: Thanks for pointing out my... Maybe you're in your six week window. (laughs) Exactly. Kelly, thank you so much.
1: This has been a joy to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Painted Loves, what do you think? Have you ever heard a message from beyond? Do you plan on taking your full six weeks of haunting leave before going to the next level? Let us know and have a spooky day.
0: Homespun Haints is hosted by Becky Kilimnick and Diana Doty and produced by Homespun Haints Media LLC. Editing by Becky Kilimnick. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhaints.com submit. Deep in the bowels of Oklahoma, exists a passageway that has remained locked for decades, untouched by mortals. We don't know why it was sealed nearly a century ago, but we are thirsting to find out. So thirsty. Do you have the same insatiable curiosity as us to see what
1: lies beyond
0: its threshold?
1: On September 24th. 2023 we will unveil the shadows together via live stream as we open this sealed passageway slaking our thirst for arcane knowledge and we want you to be there with us virtually of course this may be dangerous we don't have liability insurance oh my eye
0: but what will we find is this passageway a sealed tomb a hideaway for treasure a portal into another dimension
1: Even we won't know until September 24th, and you can be there to discover the secrets with us. Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement to RSVP for this event and find out how you can participate in this interactive adventure with us.
0: As long as there's darkness to explore, we
1: shall remain its loyal devotees. RSVP now and immerse yourself in the abyss of the unknown that is Diana's Basement.
0: (laughs) Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement.